Hello, everybody, and welcome to Generally Casual. This is Michael and your co-host here. We got Richard, we got Corey over there, and I can point at people because you can see me. Hopefully. Yeah, we are fresh on YouTube. Uh, this will probably be our fifth or sixth episode. So I'm still scared. Like that just was super strong. <laughs> also, we're fresh on YouTube, like out of the oven. Yeah, I like, mean, really. I mean, catch these casual buns when they're hot. <laughs> Somehow, we're rated on Rotten Tomatoes. New already. T-shirt idea: casual buns. <laughs> <laughs> no. Have all of us turned around and instead of our buns, oh, then it has no. hot buns. So, uh, <laughs> talking about something just as disturbing as that image in your mind, uh, we're, we're talking about monsters today. We're talking about monsters. In a roundabout yeah. way. Yeah. In or movies. monster movies. In movies. Monsters and, in movies. And it might surprise you to know that we watch movies spanning across a good portion of 100 years. Yeah. Yeah. Surprisingly. <laughs> yeah. Nearly 100 years at this point. 90 years. Uh, Basically, at this point. Yeah, what year was Quiet Place? Uh, 2014? No, it's 16. Maybe 18. So, 1932 to 2016 to 2018, since we don't know Quiet Place. Yeah. Oh, well, we know the host was 2016. No, the host was 2006. Yeah. But we've just given away all our movies now. We haven't even introduced them yet. 2018. So, 1932 to 2018. Yeah, yeah we, we did sit down again, um, and we watched three more movies, and we each each kind of picked one. Um, <laughs> it was a I was, wild ride. Yeah, I was hoping <laughs> that my pick would be a little better, considering the, uh, the, the reviews around yes. it. Yeah. Oh, my God. And you know what? All over. You know All what? We're not going to get into it yet, but I'm just no. like... Like the nitpicky reviews for some of these movies, and then the non-nitpicky reviews for that movie. I was like, it was a little all over the place. Yeah, I mean, obviously that movie, the host was rated less than A Quiet Place, but I'm like, yeah, some people can just be nitpicky for no reason. But that's that's the world we live in. They're like, this movie's too good. I have to knock it down a few pegs. Yeah, they're like, I was expecting AAA. It was. I just wanted my head to be blown off and be dead in the movie. And then you know what? You know what didn't happen? I didn't die. And you know what? That's stupid. So I hate this movie now. I've lost track of the point that you're trying to bring. <laughs> but anyway, I was gonna say. So I don't think we necessarily need to do a definition because our last episode had the definition for monster movies. Yeah, hold on. I got it. They're monster movies. They're monsters that in, are in movies. In movies, yes. It's a yes. monstrous thing. Yeah, in and a the, movie. the first movie we're going to talk about is Monster House. What? So, uh... <laughs> well, did we actually want to change it up this time? Because uh, I think it would be a good platform to springboard off of mine into yours, Michael. Yes, yours is the most controversial. Finish pick. on, on yeah, yours. Yeah, that's Richard. good because in reality. Mine, or roundabout where mine was, is actually kind of the start of where monster movies started. And not yeah. to sound like an anime or TV show where we just mention things and don't don't talk specifically about them. Yeah. Richard's pick was the mummy. Corey's pick was the host, and mine was a quiet place. Well, we <laughs> already oh, we inter- oh. yeah. <laughs> we <laughs> should have just waited till the but, end and said, yeah. "Like, could you figure it out? <laughs> so, Did you figure it out in the first five minutes?" <laughs> Who's that Pokemon? <laughs> um, certainly not the host. Yeah, so... <laughs> the, the movie I picked was the host. Um, I really like foreign mil- movies and films, so I wanted to choose a monster movie that was well-regarded, that I hadn't seen yet, and that was foreign. Mm-hmm. Um, because I thought it, was a little, it would be a little more interesting than rather just do, like, old-school 
mid midway point and new school sort yeah. of film. And to which be honest, we did last time. Um, this uh, this movie. I'm uh, sorry. Host, hold on. Hold on. The host on Rotten Tomatoes got 93 percent. Wait, 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 Richard. Richard, hold on. You have to see it's 93 percent from critics. From critics. That's insane. It it does not have ninety three percent from the audience. Well, seventy two percent. Yes, but that's, so that's a drastic. A very also, look difference. how many reviews: one hundred fifty five critics, a hundred thousand plus uh, audience. But I wanted to mention that it's also from uh, famed director. It's Bong Joon Ho, yeah, um, who also directed The Parasite, which is a phenomenal movie and had like wide raving reviews across the world. Mm-hmm. It was. Academy Award nominated, and I think won. It won, yeah, and, best foreign uh, film, and, and it was uh, just called Parasite. Yes, yeah, yes, because I think there is also a movie called The Parasite, yeah, which is not good. Yeah. So, uh, what I found interesting about this movie, and I feel like you guys are kind of on the same train of thought as I am, is that the movie was actually shot extraordinarily well. The cast was fantastic. And, like, the sound was actually really, really good. Like, there were a few moments. And I think with monster movies, it's really important. Like, with horror movies, the direction they go with sound is super important because um, it kind of gives little cues or little, like, auditory feedback for the watcher to, like, feel more immersed in the movie. Kind of like we mentioned with Crawl when the spines of the the alligator like clacked against the pipe. Like that's a very that was really good. It, yeah. immersive moment. So um with the host there were plenty of those moments where you you hear the monster or you hear footsteps or you'd hear its weird like hissing no like I don't know, have weird noises or it's weird like swinging noise. <laughs> hey, <laughs> editor input audio cue here of the hissing noise <laughs> but, i can't do that <laughs> but it was awesome in those aspects but where it kind of fell a little bit flat for me was the whole um the the way that it went about explaining why certain things were happening and um just kind of like the way that it resolved because it very much was like throughout the entire movie like hit the direction of the main protagonist was, I've got to save my daughter. I've got to do this. I've got to find her. And then it gets to the climax, and it kind of just falls flat a little bit. Yeah, and if you don't know, the basic premise is of this monster movie is someone dumped something in a river. We have no idea Something what. happened, and then there was a monster that came out of a river like maybe three days later. It's like no, a, no, no. It was years later. Oh, it was years later. Yeah, it's like oh, it was giant, years later. Yeah, they did. They did say that. <laughs> giant there was a six-legged fish monkey. monster thing. Fish yeah, monkey. Because <laughs> it would literally like hang upside down from things and then like swing around. Yeah. It was... And and then on top of that, it after the monster was released, then it centers around a family who lives there, who basically runs a a mini like convenience shop convenience slash... shop. Uh, for people who Snack go visit shop. the river. And then it tells their story and their interactions with the monster. And then... The, it goes over every single family member, too. Yes. And then it goes over, basically, the monster's interaction with the city. Yeah. Which I did find rather funny. They the actually pretty much do a small little highlight indirectly about each of the family members. Focused mostly on uh, the grandfather, the main son, who's the father... Uh, Minor stuff about the daughter, and then the sister was like uh, 
more part of the movie because she was like a, a medal winning archer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then there was the other son who was like a businessman that they talked about a couple or he's still in college, but he, no, well, he, was, no, a, he, he was a failed graduate. There you go. Yeah. He yeah. graduated and couldn't find a job. Right. Yeah. So it was just weird how they like actually explain a lot about the family in indirect methods. Um, and then there's a whole like subplot about the government aspect and the monsters just kind of intermingled throughout the entire thing. So, yeah, yeah for, for me, if we were to relate it to the previous episode where we talked about the creature features and how involved the monster is in the plot or whether it's kind of a uh, obstacle... I would say that the the creature kind of isn't that centrifugal to the plot, in all honesty, because a lot of the the complications that arise in the movie is either because of the government not listening, like you said, mm-hmm. um, or the fact that the daughter is missing. So you could insert something else in there, and you know it would follow a similar premise. Yeah, the funny thing is, is I, to me, it would make more sense to insert some sort of, kind of what we did last episode, some sort of natural monster, in whatever area that is. Like it could be some sort of large crocodile or gator or something yeah. like that, or like that's the monkey fish. Yeah, it, <laughs> it's just like they had to throw some sort of weird alien like sea monster thing mm-hmm. in there. Just to make it abnormal. Now, the most upsetting part is literally on the front cover of anywhere you see this movie, it relates it to Jaws. <laughs> and saying that this movie is just as good as Jaws. And to be honest, it has some good reviews out there and a lot of people do like it. My biggest problem with it is, me personally, my opinion, is not scary at all. Like, there's no point. There's maybe a few jump scares in it. Minorly but, suspenseful. Yeah, but they always are. They always intro those jump scares. By having something that's completely not scary and very much like, oh, this is exactly what the monster's going to do. Uh, except like like someone will run away from the monster and then hide in something. And the monster will be following them. And then suddenly the monster attacks that hole. Yeah. And it's like, why is that, that, that? You're not making me more scared because we know the monster's still there. And um, yeah. as and, we were watching, we were kind of figuring out that it... it wasn't exactly like it was trying to be a super scary movie yeah. because it had so many strangely comedic elements to mm-hmm. it. It's kind um, of a spoof almost. Yeah. But what was interesting was that satirical, I guess. Yeah, a lot of the characters are satirical or they're kind of like very caricaturized, if that's the correct <laughs> word. Especially, Car- yeah. The the Americans. characters caricatures of themselves. Yeah. yeah. So like the um, most dramatic portion or comedic portion. Yeah, like it was the example is like the the father is lazy and stupid and things like like they they constantly bring that up throughout the film about mm-hmm. how lazy and stupid he is and how terrible of a father he is throughout well, the entire thing. Throughout the whole thing, it's like the whole family suffers from just a moments of weakness. Is like the daughter could be a gold medalist, but she always waits too long. She hesitates. Yeah, and the the, she the other son could be amazing because he graduated. But he just never got off his butt and got got the job, and he blames the system for not getting a job. Right. The main son, he he's just he he's lazy, but he's also like quote unquote a good dad. Well, and that's the funny thing is, and the grandpa's like the only one who's working hard. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and then at the same time, he's like, there was that funny story in there about how 
the grandpa knew that the son was a good son because uh, he would always give people directions. No, he yeah. looked like he could give directions. So people would walk up to him and ask him for directions. That's what it he is. He never covered if he actually gave good directions. <laughs> so like, and the grandpa believed a little too much in in, in his kids. Yeah. And there was obviously heart heartwarming family elements and things like that. I mean, uh, a bronze medal in the Olympics is still really good. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think it was a national tournament. Yeah, still yeah. Really good. But uh, it was a very dysfunctional family. Mm-hmm. Um. And it was just interesting overall, but unfortunately, they, I I just had some issues with how it kind of ended. Yeah. Um, which kind of transitions rather well, because one of the things that the host did the most poorly was the explanation of events and why things are happening. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> um, and they did that in the whole, like, well, we're not going to tell you explicitly because you can figure it out. But they did that in a way that wasn't exactly satisfactory. But in a quiet place, I would say they do that fantastically. Yeah, and for all of you who watched the first movie and maybe are a little bit more judgmental of that movie, the movie doesn't directly explain where these creatures from. But if you look into the movie and take the time to see all the other clues that they throw out, there's newspaper clippings, there's hints throughout the movie that tell you where these creatures come from. Or just go watch the second movie. Um, (laughs) and, And like... What it does so well that I think the host does not is that it tells a good story from beginning to end while keeping that central theme of going literally the title. It's a quiet place. Mm-hmm. And that is the theme of the movie. Everything, any sound is accompanied by is almost jarring. Yeah. When you hear music for the first time from headphones, like actual loud music, that's jarring for how quiet the rest of the movie Everybody knows sign language, so you have to rely on the subtitles, and it just adds uh, adds to the thematic like sounds the whole time. I was gonna say one of the main things that I thought, if we're comparing the two, that the host does not do well by comparison to the Quiet Place, is the host. You're constantly seeing the monster mm. before action sequences happen. Yeah, it's so just Quiet Place around, doing backflips at random points. Well, yeah. and that's the thing is a Quiet Place. <laughs> You hear something, you hear sound, and then you see the faces of all the actors in their suspenseful, like, is something going to happen? Mm-hmm. And that's that's what the, like, most suspenseful part of that movie is, is you don't know. Especially the first 10 minutes of that movie. Yeah. yeah. Versus in The Host, it's it's like the, the monster's just treating the whole entire town like a jungle gym half the time. And you're like, oh, cool. What's this monster going to do now? I also love how, for the, the good chunk of The Host, it's like, I'm just... Pick a beep up with my mouth and put them in a hole. And then for some reason, it just changes and it completely end. demolishes people and eats them fully. Yeah. Well, and what's weird about it is, is it seemed like it was selective on which ones it actually was killing versus not. And then, then you see them in the hole and some of them are dead and then some of them are, and it's just like, what? And it keeps carrying people in its mouth. Yeah. And then not doing it. Yeah. Anyways. Um, <laughs> the, so the, ahead, a quiet place was much more, um, Tonally consistent of a movie than yeah. the host, oh, yeah, and I sure. think that was what was a big distinction of it, mm. uh, especially when A Quiet Place goes so heavy hand, like it put all its eggs in one basket when it comes to like sound being the primary motivator for the movie. So it, if they slipped up, it would have been really easy for the the movie not to hit its full stride. Yeah, and to be honest, 
the movie, I mean, all the people who worked on it were so smart in thinking about all the ways that you would have to minimize sound. Especially if you're in the middle, like, that's their farm and their farmland. And there could be a thousand things there that you could step on in a crunch that would creak. And there's, like, paint markers. There's sand. There's all these things that they go out of their way to be like, we have literally marked every single location where it's silent. Mm-hmm. And they had what they would have had to test that at some point. There's so much history that's not told, but is seen through the cinematography. And it's just so, so good. Well, and they do a really good thing is they, they do day numbers. So you can, yeah. you can clearly see there is a time jump between mm-hmm. different parts of the movie. So you can see them getting into, you don't have to see all the different trials and tribulations. Yeah. They already figured it out. And Corey said this earlier, they're an actual, they're actual people. In an actual situation. Yeah. And they're not the most perfect people, like, always doing the the perfect thing and always making sure that they're, like, double-checking and triple-checking because that's not really realistic. There is not a perfect person who's going to be 100% focused constantly at all times of your life, especially with kids. And I love the way that A Quiet Place just shows what real people would do in a situation like this. Because there's a there's always a person who's, like, out there shouting, going, well, why would you have a baby? Or, like, why'd they let the kid wander off? It's, like, probably because they've done this over and over and over again. I mean, by that time, it was, like, day... Uh, 400 something? Yeah. No, 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 when the, when the kid passed. It was, like, day 89. Oh, 889. Yeah. yeah. It's only been three months since they started yeah. this. There's no routine there. No. And they don't know 100% how to act. I mean... They already have sand that's buried, and they're already accustomed to the situation. It's a it's a great thing that they're not dead. Not to mention <laughs> children inherently, no matter how well-behaved a child is, especially a young child, they are selfish in their nature because mm-hmm. that, that portion of their brain that sort of is able to emulate how other people would feel isn't as developed as an adult. So if a child says, sees something and goes like, I really want that, that's going to be a driving force for them in their brain. Yeah. That kid was four years old as well. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that's that's the thing about it is that the the older daughter, she just wanted to help him out. She didn't think he was going to grab the batteries later because they pulled the batteries out. You could just have the spaceship. It's not loud anymore. Yeah. And it was just an, a, a series of unfortunate events at that point. And, like, a lot of the things, yeah, they're easily replaceable. You could have held that kid 100% of the time. But I'm sure after three months of living in near terror you're probably trying to figure out the best way to go about things you have to live in the new normal yes you have to live in the new normal and that changes constantly by day by day yeah Yeah. and you get you would get complacent too like you would have a routine and you would get complacent in your routine you would start to make assumptions that your child would do the correct thing because they've done that thing all up Mm -hmm. until that point so it's it is honestly it's very true and it feels more raw mm-hmm. um, because it's less of a like, well, these are just people acting. And it's like, no, these are how real people in this situation would behave. And you know what? I can also honestly think that maybe that's why some like there's a good chunk of people out here who hate the movie. It's because that might happen to you, too. Maybe they see the piece of themselves in the movie and going. Oh, I would absolutely do that. So I hate this movie because this is what I would do. Yeah. Like, I would absolutely, like, not function correctly. And obviously, being that they did so well, like, creating this situation and and how everything 
then that creates more opportunity for people to poke holes in things that they quote unquote didn't do correctly or yeah. things like yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. Kind of I would die so fast. Like the moment that I see a pair of barbecue tongs, like click, click, gotta test no. those tongs <laughs> and then I'm dead. The, <laughs> the aliens come after me. And that's that's the ridiculous part. I mean, we mentioned while we were watching the movie is like, what about the wildlife? What about like, and certain wildlife is pretty quiet. I mean, like birds for the most part probably won't be targeted by these creepy alien things. Mm-hmm. But they did so well also with the creation of these aliens the many different panels on their head that shift so that way the, Ooh, the sound gross. can come to them. Yeah, that is crazy. The the uh, like the inner ear on those creatures well, like I, zooming the, in. The fact that like this they have panels that open up on their side of there and that basically creates like a funneling uh, auditory uh, funnel for like sound and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. it's it's like a doggy how it's directional except to the extreme. Absolutely. And this is the thing. The movie was entertaining, and that's honestly some of the main opinions about movies is, did you enjoy it? Mm-hmm. And honestly, for the host so far, I did enjoy it. it can I enjoyable. Can I pick apart that movie? Absolutely. 100%. <laughs> Absolutely. It's not a AAA movie for me, but it was enjoyable. Am I going to watch again? Well, who knows? A Quiet Place? I did watch again. This yeah. is my, my second or third viewing of it, and to be honest... I almost teared up and cried at the end again so, because it's so emotional. So, Michael, I want to ask you, since you've seen Parasite, uh-huh. do you think that Host deserves its place in his in his kind of growth journey, the director's journey to Parasite? Being that you know where kind of his finalization is and he definitely spent a very much portion of, of his kind of directorial stuff mm-hmm. to get to where he is, do you think the Host was... A growth to no. that. And to be honest, for anybody listening, uh, I would love to just do a podcast dedicated to this director because he has a bunch of movies out. I think the I think the host led to the familiar uh familial? Yeah, familial uh um, oh, yeah, family relationships. Okay. Because that is one hundred percent the focus Parasite of Parasite. Is. And because they, he does that really really well makes sense he does that in snowpiercer too Mm -hmm. like he he creates like character bonds really well that seems to be his strong suit is Mm -hmm. it's about like community yeah or like family ties and i think i think throughout his movies not culminating with parasite because i hope he makes more movies um i think it's led to parasite and hopefully parasite will be the jumping off points for him to make an even greater movie okay because it's really good now Speaking of a movie that is shorter, well, <laughs> before we get there, before we get what, there, what did you think of uh, the monsters in A Quiet Place? So we we mentioned their design, but to the plot, like, do you feel as though they're as important as the characters were, or they're more so just the obstacle? Um, I think they're as important because I don't think it's easy to replace them. I don't think it's easy to have something be such like, a permanent threat. Yeah, in like the last movie, like Crawl, like a flash flood could easily replace that, mm-hmm. and that you just have a disaster movie at that point. Um, what was the other two movies we watched? Jaws and we watched Snakes on a Plane. Yeah, uh, Snakes on a Plane easily replaceable with snakes, but it doesn't make the movie. Like that movie relies on the snakes being ridiculous, so that makes right. the movie comedic. Mm-hmm. This movie, they're similar to Bird Box. It creates such a devastation to the world that you are now limited in all actions. Uh, I don't know. Have you guys seen Bird Box? Yeah, I have not. Okay, well, 
Really Bert, good. Yeah, really good movie. And good, nice spin on that genre. But Burt Box, basically whatever happens in the movie creates such a such an apocalypse that people have to limit the way they act in the world. Right. This does the same thing. And because sound's such an important thing to, to us nowadays, it creates such a dynamic shift. The last time I felt this dynamic shift, not that it's a great movie, but was Gravity. Gravity uses sound to such a profound, like, you don't understand how much how much it's important until you just watch people in space just sitting there and there's yeah, with no sound. There's nothing. Well, that's interesting, too, because if we say Bird Box is see no evil mm. and then A Quiet Place is speak no, evil, no, speak no evil, then we just need one more to finish off the trivial. Uh, the Trinity, About which would be listening. here, here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, people are going around with, like, headphones on all the time, and they can't listen to things. I don't know. Like, there's a sound going around the yeah. world constantly? Huh. That'd be that'd be certainly an interesting movie, because everybody would be essential. Like, each one is eliminating the sense. You got sight, yep. you've got yeah, speech, and now you've got sound. It's smell. No. <laughs> well, you could also do one on, like, smell, too. So- to kind of loop back, Stinky Earth, twenty twenty two, Quiet Place. The creatures obviously are centrifugal, but the the element that they bring with the whole sound dynamic, even though it would be a different movie, there there is another movie which I mentioned before we started recording called Don't Breathe, which is a very similar concept, mm-hmm. but it's one person who is blind. And so they purely rely on sound and they're kind of the quote unquote killer in which case then everyone else has to be quiet. So there, there is similar elements in what a quiet place does, but instead of it being monsters, you're in a house with someone who can hear exceptionally well. He's a monster. Exactly. (laughs) But like a quiet, I get what you're saying, Michael, is that it's so centrifugal to the plot because the universe and the, the setting that it, has is such a grand scale like you can't just have one guy oppresses the entire planet because no 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 and that's that's kind of what i mean like the the whole element the grandiose scale is what quiet place brings yeah versus if it was just in a house you could change it to where it wouldn't be a monster mm -hmm. and it doesn't answer like quite i mean the the worst thing a quiet place does is it doesn't answer a bunch of questions it's like there's a bunch of newspaper clippings in the background that answer where they came from a meteorite uh, what the military did, it basically said guns and bombs don't work on these things. But it doesn't explain anywhere else in the world. Yeah. Obviously, this is set uh, more than likely in America. And um, while they're describing the plot, it's like, okay, well, if the meteorite crash landed in America, it doesn't seem like these things can swim. So they probably can't get to anywhere else. And they kind of had a moment where they sort of addressed that because uh, John, I forget his name in the... The, the father film the father goes through a book where he's striking off countries yeah so his he's been trying to reach them through an oh, sos right. on the radio and he's striking off the countries that aren't responding so he like yeah. the last one he struck struck off was tokyo yeah so and that's certainly an interesting way to go about it is that it's dropping little plot points and that's again compared to the host compared to a lot of movies there's not a lot of movies that like to gently bring you along with the story. They're very much in your face. Like a lot of monster movies are like, this is the problem. Look at it. 
here's all the here's the explanation why it's a problem. Yeah. Okay, we're done. And it's the end well, of the movie. And to kind of compare a movie that we didn't watch in this trilogy, Cloverfield kind of does that too, mm-hmm. where they they kind of just pick minor things and say this is what this is the information we're gonna give you in this movie. And then in the next movie, we're going to give you different information. Yeah. And then in this movie, we're going to give you completely different information. So the, the, I think other monster movies, especially long-term series like Jaws, they just try and do it through 50 different movies instead of in one. Yeah. And I think A Quiet Place, I don't know if it's just a prequel and sequel um, or if they're making it a trilogy. Uh, it certainly would be interesting because... There's a lot of little plot points in, in the movie that certainly make it really interesting. Um, but like the movie we're going to talk about, it relies a lot on making sure they're telling you a full story. Yes. And that's actually why the mummy, the 1932 mummy, is actually really good for only being an hour long. Yeah. Because yeah. they tell you a full story in an hour. So... The main, so I'll talk kind of a little bit about why I chose this movie. Um, for one, I wanted something that kind of hark, harkened back to the original of what monster movies were, um, which in kind of the culmination, Universal Pictures put out movies that they called basically monster movies. If you go back to the origins of these movies, there was technically a foreign film, actually two foreign films that were like based off of Dracula. And then basically Universal took over the entire thing. And we're like, okay, we're going to release monster movie after monster movie. So Frankenstein, they did uh, they did two different Draculas, I think. Um, they did The Mummy. Uh, they did Wolfman. They did Creature from the Black Lagoon. All those are classic films. And the reason why I chose this one, number one, before watching, because I hadn't seen it before, I thought it was more like the 1990s Mummy, where <laughs> The Mummy was actually... A mummy throughout the most of, yeah. like, at least half of the movie. They found the tomb, and then the mummy escaped, and then yeah. it turned into a sand cloud. Apparently. So, the funny thing is, is in the 1932 movie, the mummy was only a mummy for a couple of minutes. Yeah, he was kind of like, <laughs> for the rest of the film, just like, supernatural guy. He, yeah. was, he was a guy with really wrinkly skin. A really wrinkly skin. Um, Who was played by Boris Karloff, who also played Frank- Frankenstein's monster in the Universal Picture Frankenstein as well. So... Very uh, amb- ambitious actor and blah blah. That obviously most of the black and white movies from those those ages had like very prolific actors and things like that. Um, something that I had to explain to Corey during the movie was talking about how in black and white movies uh, a lot of the like emotion was done through eyes. They're really big on filming like eyes to to signify like I'm in love with this character, so I'm gonna stare at you directly Intense in the staring, eyes. Staring like. Yeah, like straight up. Do you love me? Yeah, so. Do you love me? Except like five minutes of just a female actress staring up uh-huh. and fem- uh, male actors staring down. Yeah. <laughs> it's like really strange and uncomfortable, which oh, yeah. I kind of, it did kind of set the tone because everyone else in the room is like, what's going, are you okay? Uh, can, can I take you out? And she's like, no, I want to stay. <laughs> just like what's going on here so a uh, basic plot of the mummy is there is a dig that's been going on for a while apparently 20 years or something like that as the old guy says but they go and they discover that there's a mummy who's in the side of the room in, in terms of that then they find a new discovery with this box 
and they basically say leave the box alone and of course this young guy who's reckless doesn't listen and opens up a box and it has a scroll um in there the scroll of thoth which then resurrects the mummy who then grabs the scroll of thoth <laughs> and walks out of the building uh, walks out of the the tomb and then causes this this the younger guy just part of the insanely <laughs> laughing and and they're like what's wrong and he's like he just went out for a stroll and just starts laughing and basically going crazy and then obviously after that uh the actual plot happens where the mummy himself is trying to find his lost love because that's why he was condemned to all eternity blah mm. blah blah and it's like a 16-year time jump or something, right? Uh, it was like 1920-something like to 1932. So it was like within, I think, between 10 and 15 years, yeah. I think, between the, the time jump. Yeah, and to be honest, a lot of the effects in the movie are very limited, but definitely work to its advantage. Uh, a lot of cuts between, like, face changes. Mm-hmm. Um, they, I still love that like when the mummy looked into the big reflecting pool that they were able to like accurately make it look like there was something being shown in there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And well, and the cool thing was, is they started out with fog and then literally the fog, like quickly got blown away to that visual scene. And you're like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it did so well of like just moving the plot along. I was worried that the movie was going to be an hour and 45 and it was going to be super slow. And it was just, it was just going. It was going. It never stopped. And to be honest, during the entire movie, I was not bored. It was very entertaining. Yeah. It moved the plot right along. And they, even though there were some sequences where it was like, no, no, yes, yes, like a classic film, that it still was very much a like, here, here's why this is important. Here's why this is important. Here's why this was important. There were two like really good elemental sequences that I was really impressed by. For one, the close-up shot on Boris Karloff's face where everything else was around uh, around his face was really dark and then his eyes like got Started really glowing. bright yeah. and glowing. That was really cool. And, and that they, was any time he did like his little magic thing. magic, yeah. 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 And then the other one was at the end of the film where they defeat the mummy or whatever and then he transitions into a skeleton. I In classic movies, usually they'll do like uh, basically fade, like blend fades. And they kind of did that, but they actually did it really well, where basically it was like he started and then he had like extra makeup on and then he had like a skull face and then he was a skeleton. Yeah. And that was actually really kind of cool because for the 1930s, like I'm like, wow, they was, they did really well. It was almost as though they put like uh, they filmed two shots and then they had a period where the film, two sets of film was overlapping yeah, on yeah. the same frame. So it was really cool. Um, but speaking of the close-ups, one of the close-ups that wasn't done well that Michael pointed out was, was the, the hand shot of the uh, <laughs> the little idol necklace yeah. thing. Because in one in the original scene where they show it, they're in the office and it's like take this, and then and it's a close-up on the hand. It's a close-up on the hand, and then in another scene where they show it again, they're in a car, and he's like, now take it again. You need it, and it's like. The, the same, same hand shot, shot. <laughs> yeah. But they're in the car this time. So, um, because one of my observations as well was they do very few panning shots, mm-hmm. uh, which I don't know if that's a it technological was a, it was a technic- limitation yeah, for sure. Yes, because um, they they would set all their cameras up exact similar that we have ours and just roll. It's just a tripod and static. Yep. Yes, yeah. and then they would use multiple angles if they could. 
So, like, that was really interesting, but I think it really was the close-up, the facial close-ups that um, it was really interesting seeing where following movies, like I mentioned Hitchcock, Mm -hmm. like, directors would have gotten a lot of influence from scenes like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And obviously, a lot of the acting was very intense because Mm -hmm. that... It's a period piece, essentially. Melodramatic. Being yeah. very dramatic, and the whole idea of romance oh, is very... The romance is creepy. I'm just going to oh, yeah. say it right now. Like it, I have to save fitting. you, and therefore you will love me. I just yeah. met you. We're in love. Marry me. <laughs> yeah. But it's a lot of weird stuff. Especially yeah. with the doctor being involved. Like... It was it was the female lead's doctor who was like, I can tell that you like like her, and she likes you too. I it's approve. like, what? The, <laughs> why are you being involved in this relationship? Like the music, the museum curator, like was the like one of the guys' dad. Yeah, and, and then they both walk in on them kissing, yeah. and then they were they were like, mm, good. And, <laughs> and then, then the guy immediately stands up and he is teleports on the other side behind of the her. Couch. Yeah, and I was like, there's a lot of strange cuts that way. Yeah, where they they're like they just avoided the part of. Being like oh now we gotta watch him walk behind her it's like no we'll just skip that yeah <laughs> so no, he'll just be behind her i'm gonna i don't know where like how i stand compared to you guys but even though this is technically considered a monster movie there really wasn't much of a monster it, it was, was just kind of like it was a dude. two stalkers pitting against each other there was a mummy's One... foot <laughs> and a mummy's hand oh and his bandage and his bandage yeah. yes but like one's a stalker for the present girl, and the other one is the stalker that leapt through time to so, bring back his. So love. that actually was something that astounded me because, and this is why. So the mummy has actually been technically remade more than once. It was redone in the '90s and then also redone in the 2000s with Tom Cruise. Yeah. Uh, I think Tom Cruise completely changed the plot mostly, um, but the 1990s movie actually was. Kind of the 1930s movie as well. Do not read from the book. Yeah. I mean, they changed, obviously, plot points to make it more of an action-heavy uh, 90s movie. But it had Emotep in it, which was also in the 1930s. It had Anaxonamun, which was also in the 1930s. And the plot they, line of Emotep wanting to, wanting bring, back to his, bring back his yeah, love. Yeah. And so it was interesting that they changed minor tweaks, but more or less it was... A similar movie to the 1932 classic. They modernized it and elongated it by maybe 20 minutes. Yeah, I think yeah. it was and like over a, an hour and a half or and, nearly And then put two the hours. creepy scarabs. I don't know. Well, hey. and obviously iconic Brandon Fraser, who's yes. also fantastic. Really good. Yes, but Fraser. I don't know if it's just like it doesn't come across as a monster movie to me because the I, I feel like in The Mummy, the 1930 whatever version, yeah. um, the, the pre he's just not as present as a th- of a threat as yeah. they typically are in other monster movies. It's almost like a historical retelling of a story that never happened. Well, that's why I think in the 90s one technically the mummy is more of a threat because well, he like literally drains people to the, then The mummy's a mummy. Yeah. Like yeah. and is like a mystic mummy that has special powers and the only thing we see the mummy do in the 1930s version as he sticks his ring out and says some words, and then people have a natural heart attack. Well, uh, and he technically also does that through the pool. Like, he kills a couple of people that way. But all the same way. Yeah. He doesn't have any other spells. And, like, that's it. Well, like, technically, it's not like he was that bad a guy if, like, objectively speaking. <laughs> if he didn't kill all the people. Because he, he killed a security guard that was trying to stop him. He killed 
the museum cur- curator who stole something from him technically it was his yeah and he, he, he killed it. he attempted to kill the son who he thought was stealing his love of his life right so okay. those were the three people that he technically like i get it murder's wrong but in the grand scheme of monster movies he's kind of an innocent monster the, the funny thing is is technically if we go back to our original question about the obstacles technically all the obstacles were thrown at him yeah it was a movie no it was literally a movie about his story not about the other people yeah. and you know what was funny is the only time he was an actual bad guy is when his love said don't do that to me i'm a priestess i'm a priestess of isis yeah and i'm literally the anti of what you are mm-hmm. right even though they loved each other and then he was like no i'm gonna do it anyways it's like oh well now you're now, now you're a bad guy now you're a bad guy yeah yep. you should stop she <laughs> did not consent yeah she did not consent exactly. to be turned into a mummy but yeah I, so like compared to the other two movies where we were like what is the is the monster centrifugal to the plot or is it more of an obstacle this one is the antithesis to what jaws was where jaws was both the mummy is neither Right. It doesn't really fit into either of those categories. Now, the nicest part about the about the host and a quiet place is that the title is not the monster. So it does they, they both well, whatever the host means. Yeah, um, we we couldn't we figure couldn't, that yeah, out. Yeah, we couldn't figure out. that out. Um but like those two movies don't have to be entirely about the creature in the movie. If you watch a movie like Jaws, it's gotta be about the shark. It's mm-hmm. it's you can't have a movie called the sh- shark and then not be about a shark (laughs) like so the mummy was about the mummy but it was more of a story than really a monster flick because that's what kind of disappointed me out of it because i was expecting with all of the stuff if you literally look up 1932 mummy most of it is literally the one scene where he actually was in his full bandages and, Mm -hmm. and stuff like that all over the every single cover for the movie everything like that it makes it seem like he's gonna be a mummy throughout this entire thing yeah and he's not. And like walking around, like yeah. not trying to be seen. Like and, Abbott and Costello mummy. Yeah. Maybe maybe sucks the life out of somebody and then turns back into his normal form. Like, hey, like the 1990s mummy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but for the most part, no, it really wasn't uh, a traditional. Like the creature from the Black Lagoon, if I'm not mistaken, is all about the creature from the Black yep. Lagoon. Yep, Dracula yep. is all about Dracula. Yep. Frankenstein's all about Frankenstein. Wolfman, all about Wolfman. Yeah. And about their interactions with other people in the story. And that's literally as classic as you can get most of the time. It's mm-hmm. like a. Ooh, there's a scary teen blah 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 situation. Oh, the Wolfman's gonna come out and oh, scare everybody like that. Yeah. But if the, you think of classic horror monster movie, that's exactly what that is. Versus the Mummy is not. It, so, it, it was just an entertaining story. That's it. That's what it was. Well, we accidentally did two monster movies in a romance flick. Because that's what the Mummy kind of <laughs> is. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. More or less. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say it. I would. I would compare it closer to Casablanca than I would A Quiet Place or Host. <laughs> will they, won't they? Will they, yeah. won't they? <laughs> yeah. It's just a weirdly messed up version of Casablanca. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So I think out of all three of these movies, we can rate one as a, a pretty decent uh, movie that doesn't over-rely on the monsters, but the monsters set the universe. Uh, and, that, uh, and then we can go to Host, which is a smattering of a bunch of different genres put in the one movie that does family relationships really well but the monster is sort of here and there and the mummy of course is a romantic story and it's very touching and you'll cry a lot watching it no (laughs) (laughs) Um, i just wanted wanted the mummy get married (laughs) i would recommend if you want to kind of view a classic movie it's still a good movie it holds up but Mm -hmm. 
watch the 1990s. <laughs> Actually, watch the 1930s. It's only an hour. And then go yeah. watch the 1990s and be yeah. like, wow, I love you, Brendan Fraser. It's Rachel cool. Weiss, Brendan Fraser. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Seeing the parallels is definitely cool. Um, but it was a lot of fun doing this like triple movie lineup thing again because I feel like it's it's interesting enough to have a discussion about one movie but by having a couple other movies that are in the same genre that you can run parallel to each other, it helps you appreciate what each individual movie did well in itself. Yeah. Uh, a little absolutely. bit more. So, yeah. And if you guys have another monster movie that you guys love to death or maybe even hate and you think it was a really bad example of a, a monster movie, let us know. Uh, we appreciate any feedback uh, at Generally Casual, whatever platform, we're there. Yeah. yeah. We uh, are definitely on Spotify. We're definitely on Apple Podcasts. Both of those. And YouTube. Feel now. free. Yeah. YouTube. Yep. Yeah. Any other podcast platforms you can think of, we're probably on that too. And any podcast will host your ears by tuning into us. So thank you and have a good night.